Good morning, Nachum. Good Arab Shabbos, everybody. Tomorrow we have the privilege of reading Parshas Ba'aloscha. According to the Chinuch, Parshas Ba'aloscha contains five mitzvos, three positive and two restrictions. Interestingly, four out of the five mitzvos deal with Pesach Sheni, the Torah providing us with a, quote, makeup or the opportunity for whoever did not, could not participate in the first Pesach. They're given an opportunity to bring the Korban Pesach on the 14th day of the month of Eor, in the second month. Think about it. There is no Rosh Hashanah Sheni if one missed the shofar, and there's not a Yom Kippur Sheni if one could not fast on Yom Kippur. This is the only holiday that has its quote, makeup, and the Chinuch explains because we are never to forget the significance of Yitzias Mitzrayim, because Yitzias Mitzrayim shows us not simply that he is the great liberator, but Yitzias Mitzrayim shows us that he indeed is the creator. How so? Because in Mitzrayim, HaKadosh Baruch Hu showed the Jewish people, the Egyptians, and indeed the entire world, how all of nature is like putty in his hand, namely that he could do with nature as he sees fit. Why? Because he is the creator of this world. Very basic, important, yesod principle upon which our religion stands. Therefore, there is this Pesach Sheni, and finally, the fifth mitzvah in the parasha is that of the chatzotzros, the horns that were blown by the kohanim in the Beis HaMikdash, beginning with that which was blown in the Midbar, at the time of the Mishkan, but at the base Hamikdash, there were the blowing of the horns accompanying the Karbanos Tzibur, the morning Karban Tamid, the afternoon daily offering. This was accompanied by the blowing of the horns by the Kohanim, and the Gemara teaches us that they were nevertheless then 21 sounds of the Chatzotzros on any day, including on Shabbos. Just a quick aside, another one of that long list of we had it first would be that it's an accepted protocol throughout the world. A dignitary comes to a foreign land and he she will be greeted with a 21-gun salute. You know where that came from. We had it first. I'd like to begin this morning by asking a very basic question. Okay? How many books of the Torah are there? So you're going to say, well, it was just after Shavuos, but we all remember at the end of the Pesach Seder, Echod Mi and when we came to Hamisha, 
five, Chamisha Miodea. What's the significance of the number five? Oh, I know, Chamisha Chumshe Torah, that there are five books of the Torah. And indeed, we call each book of the Torah a Chumish. The word Chumish means a fifth, because indeed there are five books of the Torah. Well, it's always interesting and exciting if we can re-examine and take another look. And the Gemara, at the bottom of Shabbos, page Kuf Tez Vav Amid Beis, the very bottom line, spilling over to Kuf Tev Zayin, the Gemara teaches us, the two verses in this week's parsha familiar to us, of Ahiban Soa Oron and Uvenucho Yomar, the two verses that we recite when we're privileged to take the Torah out of the Ark and after it's read to return it to the Ark, and we recite these two verses. These two verses, which are found in this week's parsha of Baaloscha, says the Gemara, Parsha Zu Baruchu Simonios, God Himself prescribed that there are to be signs milmala ulamata above these two psukim and below bounding these two psukim separating them in a noteful way from that which precedes and that which follows what's the reason for this so rebbe says in the gemara shabbos to teach us that these two verses are a safer Bifne Atzmo, literally a book unto themselves. And so, if you were to ask Rebbe, how many books are there in the Torah? He won't blink. He'll say, seven. Where do you get that from? And the answer is that the book of Bamidbar, that which comes before, Vahibin Soa, is one book. Vahibin Soa Uvenucho Yomar is a book unto itself. And <clears throat> that which follows these two psukim till the end of the book of Bamidbar is a further book unto itself. Bamidbar is divided into three, and with the four others, Bereshishmos, Vayikra, and Devarim, we have a total of seven. And Rebbe actually brings proof to this from the first verse in the ninth chapter of Mishlei, of Proverbs, where the verse concludes, Chotzva Amudeha Shiva, she carved out its seven pillars. To build on this, that, well, if this is a book by itself, take a look in the Klei Yakar, who therefore asks, if this is so, then a Sefer in the Sefer Torah must contain a mitzvah. What might be the mitzvah that's being alluded to in these two psukim of Vahibin Soa? And he answers that the mitzvah is none other than pru urvu. Now, this mitzvah of procreation is so important that it warrants a book unto itself as it enables the continuation of the world. And in addition, he notes that the second verse, Uvenucho Yomar, concludes whereby Moshe 
and we, following in his way, invite the Shekhinah to reside among Rivavos Alfei Yisrael. Rivava is 10,000, an Elef is a thousand, two times ten thousand is twenty thousand, two times two thousand is twenty-two, the minimal number necessary to host the Shekhinah. We have to procreate in order to host the Shekhinah. This is Rebbe's take on why these two um, psukim are set unto themselves. Rabbi Shimon Megamliel in the Gemara Shabbos, has a different explanation for the fact that they are inverted by these two nuns, the uh, inverted nun, to teach that Ein Zu Mikoma. This is not the proper place for these two verses. Rather, suggests Rabbeinu Bachaya, as the letter nun in its numerical is 50. Where do these two psukim belong? 50 paragraphs earlier in Pasha's Bamidbar, in chapter 2, following verse 17, where the Torah there describes the formation and the order of the traveling of the Jewish nation in the desert. First, we're told about the traveling of Machane Yehuda. Then comes Machane Reuven. In the middle comes the Mishkan. Where the Torah says in the middle comes the Mishkan, the Torah should include as well Vahibin Soaharon, because what is the most important part of the Mishkan? Namely, the Aron. So, if it should have been in chapter 2, why is it over here? Explains Rabbi Gamliel to create a buffer between three sins which are enumerated in succession in the Torah. We'll see what the first one is in a moment. The second one is the misoninim. They traveled about having to cover so much territory in one day. Rashi teaches they traveled three days' worth. And finally, v'yosafsuf, they complained about their diet. Now, had these three sins been presented in a consecutive order, says Rabbi Gamliel, it would have constituted a chazaka, a state of being, of puranos, of misfortune. So to spare the Jewish nation any negative consequence, Hashem in His kindness places these two verses here. Indeed, fascinating, when the Mashiach comes, please God, speedily in our days, nothing will change in the Torah except that in the future you're going to get out of shul in Parshas Bamidbar two minutes later and in Parshas Bahaloscha two minutes earlier because these two verses are going to be moved but nothing will change in the Torah. Now, what is the first of these three sins? The Ramban teaches that when the Torah says, Vayisu Mehar Hashem, the Jewish people left and traveled from the mountain of God, so this he counts as the first sin. At first glance, what kind of a sin is this? You can argue it's something virtuous. They're following Hashem's instructions. They waited till the Anan, the cloud, ascended, and they started marching to the land of Israel, which is in of itself a mitzvah. 
The very coming to Eretz Yisrael is a mitzvah. So on the surface, this is only praiseworthy. However, the Ramban notes, they left besimcha, they left with gladness, with almost a sense of relief. Ketinok haboreach mi beis hasefer, as a child runs from school. Instead of sighing, giving a krechts, and expressing some nostalgic disappointment as to having to move on and proceed to the next mitzvah, they left Harsinai relieved, as they were not getting any more mitzvahs. And this improper mindset is reckoned as a sin for our ancestors. Today, we who have been locked out of our Bote Kinesios due to a pandemic, the likes of which mankind has never witnessed, we are readying to gradually return. and therefore behooves us to learn from the historical past and properly return with the right mindset. As they were judged for their improper exodus, I pray that we will be welcomed on high with our appropriate re-entry. Firstly, we have to appreciate that the Gemara Megillah 29a understands the Pasuk from Yecheskel 11.16, where the Navi says, ma'at. I have been for them a minor sanctuary that our Bate Knesios and our Bate Midrashos, our synagogues and study halls, are endowed with the sanctity of the Mikdash. Both the Rambam, the Rambam in his negative mitzvahs number 65, and the Urayim understand that the biblical mitzvah of Mikdashai Tira'u, which is to have reverence for the sanctuary, is applicable to our Bate Knesios and Bate Midrashos. The mindset must be that just as if two individuals have business to discuss and they're going to meet 20 minutes before Mincha to discuss their matter, it goes without saying that they're not allowed to talk, shop talk, in the Beis HaKnesses even when no minion is going on, just because of the sanctity of the place, all the more so when tefillah is going on it's prohibited to talk in shul. And interesting to note, the, Ram, the Ramban, in his commentary to the end of Bahar, the, on the Psukim from Perik Chof Vav 1 and 2, on the last two verses of Bahar, which he learns as a continuation of the above paragraph, where the Torah is speaking about a Jew who's tragically sold to a non-Jew. And to that person, the Torah gives three, as you'll see in a moment, mitzvos. The Torah warns against idolatry. The Torah says, observe the Shabbos and to revere Hashem's sanctuary. And the Ramban cites the Torah's koanim, that the servant, the Jew, who has been sold, should not say, since my master is an idolater, I'll be one. Since my master is immoral and desecrates Shabbos, so will I. And the Ramban concludes by saying that these three mitzvos are avos. These three mitzvos are primary to connect the servant to tradition and his people. Now the fact that these are labeled as avos highlights the importance of the synagogue and the study hall. When one abstains from idolatry, 
they don't immediately feel Hashem's presence. So too, by honoring and keeping Shabbos, not everyone is privileged to feel the Shechina. However, upon entering the Beis Amigdash, it was palpable. You knew you were in His presence. The Torah commands that what? Everyone is to come, the more observant, the less observant. Everybody felt it. You knew when you saw the lechem upon him. You saw how beloved you were to Hashem. And the constant remembrance of the Beis Amigdash to which we have been praying and pining throughout our history is to endow within us the great reverence we feel for the Mikdash, and that reverence is to be palpable by our respect for returning to the Beis HaKnesses. The Gemara in Brachos 8a teaches in the name of Rabbi Chizda, a person should always enter through two doors in the Beis HaKnesses, and that's based on the Pasuk in Mishle 8 Pasuk 34, praiseworthy is the person who listens to me to hasten to my doors every day. The use of the plural doors is the source of this teaching. Now the Yushalmi states explicitly that one comes to pray in the shul, they are to enter through two doors. And the Sfasemes in the name of Reb Simcha Bunam of Peshischa says that before praying one must pass through two doors. You know what the two doors are? Get out of the earthly rim, close that door behind you, and open the door into the heavenly realm. Only then should one pray. And the ability to close the first door behind, to completely shut off the phone, not to put it on vibrate, to completely disconnect from the workplace, is the first step in re-entering the Beis HaKnesses. And failure to do so is a flagrant violation, if not the literal, then certainly the spirit of the Mikdashi Tira'u, my sanctuary you shall revere, as is understood by the Gemara Yevamos 6b that says, one can't go into the Temple Mount with his money belt. As the money belt is clearly demonstrative of his worldly affairs, so too is one's cell phone. And finally, many have shared with thee that these weeks of davening at home have been advantageous in that they've had the ability to daven more slowly, greater kavana, appreciate the davening as a privilege to have a personal encounter with Hashem, to realize that as busy as he is running the world with all the complexities, he has time for each and every one, he cares for each and every one, he's personally involved in our lives. If we can begin to focus now on the eventual return to to return to the Beis HaKnesses in accordance with the medical halachic guidance that has been cautiously and meticulously steering us during these most challenging times, then in contrast to our ancestors of old who did not appropriately leave our Sinai, we in return most reverently and respectfully with great appreciation for our Mikdash Ma'at, please God, we will return. Shabbat Shalom to all.